Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Steelers Outpost Podcast, February 12, 2018, Episode 24. This is Tom coming to you once again from Washington, D.C., and joining me is my co-host, Nick, Skyping in from Houston. Nicholas, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. I hope everybody out there is doing great. we got an amazing show, the best show you've ever heard coming at you. So here we go. Uh, thank you for raising the bar there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many changes in Steeler land, but one obsession outshines everything. Bell watch. It's incredible. I just want them to shovel the money into the furnace and get this deal done one way or another. Long-term contract, franchise tag, get this thing done. Yeah, launder him whatever you need from some used car dealership. Give him a Bell, Ford, General Motors, hybrid, anything you need to do. Let's get this done. But uh, Mr. Rooney was interviewed earlier this week. He echoed, or I guess it was last week, but he said that... Of course, they do want to sign Le'Veon to a long-term deal, and that in his experience, the deadlines usually spur action. So we're looking towards that February 20th deadline. I don't expect anything to happen before then. That's the first day you can franchise tag a guy, and then March 6th is uh, the last day. So before either one of those dates, we'll keep an eye out. But for now, probably won't get that much news. Well, this is complicated. I did take a few hours this week to look at some information background on the salary cap. And it's the most contorted, torturous prose Mm. you've ever read. But the Steelers are confounded a little bit by uh, what they've done in the past and their salaries. They they sort of put themselves into a corner. Assuming that the 2018 cap is going to be around $178 million, the Steelers roll over almost $5 million of excess cap from last year. So they had a little bit of room to start with, but clearly not enough to franchise tag, let alone do a long-term deal unless they did some restructuring, which yeah. they affected this week. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Just for anybody out there, you know, the general point is you have a highly paid offensive line, you have a top-paid quarterback, and you have the most expensive wide receiver in the league. So there's a lot of stars on the team, and, and that's why it's hard to keep good teams around for a long time. So thus, here we are with almost no money to sign Le'Veon Bell, but the Steelers have been good at maneuvering and finagling to keep their own players. So like you were just saying, there were some restructures and some finaglings made this week. So, But you know, the Steelers have done that, but in being good at that, they put themselves in a corner this year. All restructuring does is put pressure on you in the out years. I mean, you... Uh, Sign some signing bonuses and so forth. 
those things will come up against you in the future, i.e. dead money. But fortunately, I think enough of the Steeler players uh, like to entertain those things because they do get more guaranteed money. And it seems as they want to play a winning team, I think that's a compelling argument to stick around. Yeah, so of course, if you guys haven't read already, the big news is that David DeCastro and Stefan Tuitt restructured their contracts. Basically, what that means for anybody who doesn't know is they lower their base salary for this year, but they, the, the difference in money gets converted into bonuses. So they make the exact same amount of money this year, but it counts differently against the cap. It, once again, like you said, it just kind of spreads it out over the course of a couple of years. You do have to pay that as a team, but it helps you on a year-to-year basis to sign guys. So Le'Veon made $12.12 million this year, and according to the NFL contract, you've got to uh, give them a 20% raise if you franchise tax them in the second year. That puts Le'Veon at $14.5 million if we were to tag him. That doesn't speak to a long-term contract, however. Right, and at this point, after the restructurings of Tua and DeCastro, the Steelers have about like $13 million free, so that's not quite even enough for the franchise tag, but there are some other things that we can do. To I mean, you free can look at your other, yeah, you could look at your other stars. Ben is an obvious candidate. He, uh, it doesn't hurt that he said he'd like to play another, what, two to three years? So this is already a much more enjoyable offseason than the past, like, five, especially last year. I mean, this year, once again, we're on Bell Watch, but at least we're not on Ben Watch. Because he did say that he's coming back next year, and the rumors have been going around that seem to have some, they're more, seem to be closer to truth than rumor, actually. Ben has been saying he wants to play another three years. Even Mr. Rooney, Art Rooney, the second, echoed that statement as well, um, even saying that Ben might actually extend his contract, which of course would help him spread out some money. So that's kind of the first thing that we're looking to happen. See if the Steelers extend Ben. And that way you'd kind of lessen his cap hit year to year if you lengthen his deal. And you have some other stars out there. A.B., obviously, Pouncey and Hayward. I don't know what happens to Shazier. I, I, I assume that uh, he is not going to play in his... He's on the books unlikely. He's, he's dead money. I don't think you can restructure. But there are players. J.J. Wilcox surprisingly has is, is $3 million in salary. Yeah, he's getting cut. It, He's getting cut, so that that is uh, that's kind of easy money. So just so I've, we don't dwell on the minutia of this for too long and get to, into too many decimals and all this, basically, in a nutshell, there are some guys like J.J. Wilcox and some veterans, probably DHB, probably William Gay, guys like that. Um, Moats is going to be gone. So you're going to cut all these little $3 million a year guys. That's going to create a little bit of room for you. Now, you do have to pay Vance McDonald, so it sort of cancels it out. And then there's those guys, uh, the big money guys like A.B., Pouncey, and Hayward, like you said before, uh, who can get some restructuring done. And those are all ways that you can probably finagle your way to getting Le'Veon at least the franchise tag, which is kind of what it seems like the Steelers are most primed to do. I don't know about the long-term contract. It seems like a lot of people think it's going to get done, or they're trying to put that idea out there, but we, I mean, looking at the numbers, I don't know how they're going to do it. It's impossible to peg this because Le'Veon threw out, um, what is a hundred million for the Jets to, to score him. <laughs> yeah, it, it was he, he said, he did say 50 million guaranteed yeah, for the Steelers. He didn't, blanch, and, he didn't blanch at $50 million, but he did hesitate at $30 million, which is, um, 
was reportedly offered to him this past year. Yeah. We should talk about whether what he's worth to us. Well, we've been talking about it all offseason, and we don't want to beat a dead horse, but we got to because we're on Bell Watch 2018. Listen, I I go back and forth with this so much on the Le'Veon thing. I mean, he has he's still the best running back in the league, in my opinion. You can put Ezekiel Elliott up there, some other guys, sure, but obviously the versatility. His yards after contact for 2016, it's 1622. That's probably that's about 20 yards ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. So you're showing that he is still, you know, producing plays on on his own which is kind of what that yards for contact is but we've discussed the possibility of if you don't sign Le'Veon you can sign two guys who are maybe half Le'Veon's this or that but at the end of the day like I know that the Eagles and the Patriots just got to the Super Bowl with this total running back by committee approach each one of them using three running backs and none of them making over like five million dollars but to have them a better version of all of them on the field at the same time, which is what Le'Veon is, it just makes you that much harder to game plan for. I don't know if you guys remember when we had Dre Archer a couple years ago. It was a very forgettable experience, but he was about 5'4". He ran a 4'3". He was an amazing college player, but he was tiny. And so every time the Steelers put him on the field, the defense and all the viewers on TV knew that the ball was going to this guy because he can't block and he can't run between the tackles. He's too small. So he was either going to get a toss or a swing pass. And he had almost no successful runs in his career. And that's kind of what Le'Veon prevents against. It's not like when you put LeGarrette Blunt in there, you know the ball's going up the middle. With with Le'Veon, you never know what's going to happen. So besides his transcendent ability, it's his unpredictability that he brings to the offense. So sign the man. His Swiss Army knifeness. Swiss Army knifeness, yes. And niceness in the open field. So this past week, we uh, had a couple of coaching changes. Tom Bradley comes in for Carnell Lake, who has yeah. uh, gone back to California to watch his son's final year of high school. Uh, I don't know what happened to his previous years in high school or to his other children, but perhaps they'll forgive him for being an absentee father. Sorry. Well, you know, they're gonna. he was too busy not coaching the secondary. I'm just kidding. Carnell Lake is a great stealer. Steelers Ring of Honor. I don't know if he is officially in that Ring of Honor or not. He's a great stealer. Um, I'm excited to see what Bradley can do as a secondary coach. If you guys remember, at the beginning uh, of the offseason or around Super Bowl week, we did say we if we can't get Butler gone, you got to get Porter and Lake gone. So I hope Carnell Lake has a good time, but I'm let's just say I'm excited to see what Tom Bradley can do. Yeah, interesting. Bringing a guy who's never been in the NFL before. Great bona fides. Obviously, I uh, had some formidable defenses or defensive backfields at Penn State but how does that translate in the NFL yeah I wonder we'll find out I mean I don't want to say it can't get worse but let's just I'm, I'm happy to experiment at this point and we uh have Carl Dunbar the formidable Carl Dunbar out of Alabama yeah so long story short we don't want to spend too much time on these guys we replaced our secondary coach and our defensive line coach so John Mitchell has been the defensive line coach for quite some time in Pittsburgh. He's uh, widely reported as one of the best coaches on the staff in terms of what he gets out of his players and how well-liked he is. He was promoted to assistant head coach, which Tomlin described as a crucial position. You kind of got a there's a there's a period of like 90 days where the head coach can't be with the team and in the summer and in that point the assistant to the head coach runs everything 
and that'll be John Mitchell. And then he talked about a lot of um, duties he'll have with like community outreach and getting players to reach out to communities, which is a great thing to do. But um, I kind of feel like uh, if he's a great positional coach, I need him on the field. But I digress. They hired the Alabama defense, University of Alabama defensive line coach um, to coach up the Steelers. So you keep John Mitchell and you get another good coach from uh, Freak University. So that takes care of our news of the week. We will now turn our attention to the most critical thing in the windshield, which is our draft needs. And you can make this bulletin board material because we are going to predict our draft needs, actually define our draft needs for the upcoming year. And we'll see whether the Steelers listen to the podcast and take our advice. So we do not have picks in rounds four and six because of the Vance McDonald and J.J. Wilcox pickups. However, we did pick up a second uh, choice in the fifth round and a second in the seventh round. So, yeah, be that as it may, at least you got your first three picks. So we what we want to do here is we just want to give we're going to give six entries. And this isn't what we're predicting uh, in each round. Obviously, we don't have a fourth, but we're still going to have a a fourth round pick. We're still going to have a number four on the draft needs board. And we're just going to give you the six positions that we think the Steelers need in order of how dire the priority is, right? So maybe as we get later into the summer, we'll actually start looking at individual players from and just kind of start giving you guys an idea of who to look out for, who the Steelers might draft. We're not draft professional uh, podcast. You know, there's different guys who do this for a living and they're going to the senior bowl and all that stuff, but we will compile some of the data for you. So you at least kind of have an idea of who we're looking for. But what we're going to do today is we're just going to give you our definitive draft needs, positional hierarchy, definitive draft needs, positional, positional hierarchy. hierarchy. So let's go to pick number one, pick number one, one, one. In the shocker of the century, the number one need for the Steelmen in this draft is inside linebacker. You know it. I know it. Ronies know it. Tomlin knows it. Ben knows it. America knows it. You can't go into the next season with Vince Williams and Tyler Manikavich as your inside linebackers. It's a crucial need. I will be very surprised if they don't take one with their first pick. Um and uh, there's not much more to say than that. It's crazy to see one of the biggest strengths of your team go to one of your biggest weaknesses. But the Steelers were gashed in the run game, both up the middle and on the perimeters, every single solitary game after Ryan Shazier went out. The, the, the loss of him was noticeable. Now, we will say, actually, in the bright news, if you guys saw, his progress has been unbelievable. And I don't know how much we talked about it recently, but there was a absolutely tear-jerking video on the internet of Ryan at the Penguins game, which is cool in itself because so many Steelers go to Penguins game and Penguins games and they always show them on the Jumbotron and stuff. So they showed Ryan and said, now in attendance, Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh Steelers middle linebacker number 50, Ryan freaking Chase here. Then, of course, the audience goes insane and the announcer says, we're all behind you, Ryan. And it's like, you're in Rudy mixed with Armageddon and it's Friday Night Lights and it's the most glorious thing I've ever seen. And then Ryan Shazier freaking stands up and the crowd goes crazy, obviously with the help of his fiance and everything like that. So Mr. Rooney did say Ryan will have a role one way or another with the team, but we do need someone to take his place right now on the defense and that inside linebacker, huge priority. 
So I'm not sure how much this affects this year or the upcoming year, but Vince Williams is an unrestricted free agent in 2019. My guess is that they would spend the money to retain him, but he, regardless of what we feel his performance has been, he could be an attractive player somewhere else. So we yeah. might be shoring up. Multi I mean, we have no backup, and we right. may have the um, our other inside linebacker leaving next year. Yeah, well, we're missing a starter now, and then, like you say, you you could be missing a starter in a couple of years. So it's a huge need. It's there's no starting star power, and there's no depth. So that's number. Well, I one. would say that Dirty Red doesn't have starter power, but maybe not starting potential. So moving right. on to position two. Position two, two, two. Another shocker. Position two, safety. As you could tell on the Steelers Outpost podcast, after we crucified in them in the grades section of the last five or six games. Safety is a huge need. Uh, uh, this is expected to be Mike Mitchell's last year as a Steeler, if not um, factoring the possibility that he could actually be cut even this year. So Sean Davis needs someone in there to push him. And Mike Mitchell, he's been a better Steeler than people realize, but he's injured all of the time. And he's played through it like a warrior, but it's it's caught up to him. And the guy is slow. Sean Davis had a huge struggle fest. Um, they're not, you know, the whole secondary has some concerns, but particularly safety. Definitely have to pick up a safety. Um, if there's a really good guy in round one, which usually isn't how it works out, safety is usually not a first-round position, at least late in the first round. Um, then I could see, but you know, if there's a, somebody available that's better than the best inside linebacker, I could see them doing that in the first round. But within the first two rounds, safety has got to be there. Position three. Position three, three, three. Inside linebacker. Yes. Again, it's that dire. They could pick up three, and I wouldn't care. And I'm not being coy here, right? We just told you. There's no starter, and there's no backup. I mean, I know uh, Tyler Matakiewicz had a shoulder injury, um, basically right when he went in there for Ryan Shazier in that Bengals game, he that shoulder popped out. It was bugging him before. And Tomlin says that's the reason why he was unable to become a starter throughout the rest of the season in the playoffs. That's why they grabbed Sean Spence off of his Cheetos-covered couch, I must assume, because, no offense, he was horrendous. Um, but I don't see Matikiewicz being you know, a starter or even a backup at that point. So you need guys in there and, uh, you know, even a third round guy could push to be a starter, or at least give you some depth. It's a huge position in need. Obviously, the captain of the defense. I sincerely think they got to take more than one inside linebacker in the draft, and they should take him high. Which moves us on to position four. Now, this one might be the first surprise for people. Position four is going to be wide receiver. In one way, it might not be a surprise because the Steelers are famous for drafting wide receivers and famous for getting great production out of the mid-round and late-round wide receivers. We don't have to go through all the lists, but, you know, Mike Wallace, I think he was a third-rounder, um, Emmanuel Sanders, Martavis Bryant, A.B. in the sixth, even Sammy Coates got some good production. Eli Rogers, undrafted. They seem to find guys in the draft. Eli Rogers right now has a torn ACL. He tore it in the last game of the season. Other than that, you obviously have so you have great players at the top of the depth chart. You got the king of football, Antonio Brown. You got Juju and Martavis. And then behind that, you feel good if you have Eli, but we don't really know where he's at, and he's actually not under contract right now. But even if you do have him, 
you don't have anyone behind him to account for any types of injury or something like that. So this and also factoring in that Martavis, this is the last year of his contract, and it's kind of doubtful he'll be back in Pittsburgh. So like you were saying, for inside linebackers, they need to prepare for the future, protect for the for the current state, for the present, and then also start preparing for the future to to get some guys down the pipeline. And if he can return punts or something like that, that would be a big bonus because that's a big hole in the Steelers too. So position five, offensive line. There is an assumption that we're going to lose Chris Hubbard, who who really is starting caliber, a starting caliber yeah. offensive lineman. It's likely that he will go. My fear, as it is with the inside linebacker, is for the year after as well. We've got to start filling up the cupboard because the loss of Hubbard. <laughs> after that, it's Ramon Foster, unless he signs for the veteran league minimum. And we've only got Finney and Filer on one-year contracts as well. We had, we had the luxury of this really deep, talented offensive line. And although you've locked up the star players in Pouncey and DeCastro, uh, Gilbert, I think, is locked up for another two years. Yep. Next year, you've got, you actually don't have a starter, and you don't have any backups. It's yeah, time, you know and, what? And I think they take longer to develop, so I, I think you've got to get somebody. And what we've got in the practice squad right now, you know, Potentially, but I don't know. Well, the biggest uh, name we locked up all offseason so far is Mike Munchak. I think we were all sweating blood when he was interviewing for that Cardinals job and got to the second round. But without a question, the best offensive line coach in the NFL, um, both by reputation and by results and just how much the players and coaches love him and talk about him. You need to get some more guys in there for him to mold. Hubbard was just a huge, crucial chess piece for the Steelers this year. He even played center pretty poorly but he was able to to get in there and, and instead of having some boy come out of the stands and snap it to ben i don't i don't know but either way obviously he was basically the starting right tackle this year gilbert barely played half the games he did an awesome job and earned himself a contract kind of reminded me of the um kelvin beecham situation but if you want to say the greatest two strengths of the steelers are this they're not coaching and they're not defense. It's the megastar offensive skill position thing with the beat with Killer Bees and then the excellent continuity and talent among the offensive line along with its depth. Because there were a couple times this year when the backups, Finney and Hubbard, were called upon to play. That's what keeps the steel train rolling and they're going to need to get some more guys in that room. So offensive lineman is the fifth need for the draft. Position six. Running back, ladies and gentlemen. Let's assume Le'Veon's going to get locked up. I'm going to say this is going to have an asterisk next to it because unless – in the case that Le'Veon does walk and go play for another team, which would be a travesty and an American just tragedy, but uh, running back would vault up to a top two priority. You would have to get one in the top two rounds. But there's not a ton of needs on this team. There, you might be surprised not to see us putting in cornerback here, but that cornerback room is so deep. You're assuming we're going to keep Joe Hayden. You're obviously keeping Artie. You got the silver bullet, Mike Hilton, in the slot. And then your second round, second, third round pick from last year, Cameron Sutton, all in the cornerback room. So I don't think corner is a huge priority. That leaves it for running back. Um, we're going to assume James Conner is going to be back from his injury. He's already running on a treadmill. The Riddler is in play, and Fitzgerald Toussaint has been a good backup for the Steelers, but you can bring in some more competition for that role and prepare in case you do end up losing Le'Veon. Obviously, you don't really prepare with a six-round back, 
But what I like about the idea of taking a running back at this time is maybe you could take a running back who's a good kick returner because we got nobody. We've been a bottom two kick return team in the league for the past few years. This would be the perfect time to find a guy who can give you a spark at that position and maybe challenge the fumbler or the Riddler. So that wraps up what we see are the defining needs of the Steelers for this draft. I mean, perhaps you could pick somebody up in the free free agency, especially wide receiver or running back, as we've done. That That's actually a good point to bring up. Um, the reason why inside linebacker and safety are such huge needs in the draft is because the crop of players available at those positions in free agency this year, it's not a good one. And like we said before, the Steelers are super strapped for cash. They don't really have money to go out there and sign free agents. And when you sign a free agent, basically within the concept itself, you're overpaying for that player because he's competing with market value. It's it's basically like a um, – what's that called in Texas? Why am I blanking so badly? Well, the guy is going to talk to the fast. It's an auction essentially. So these guys get paid basically on who needs them more and they all make more money than they want to. That's why the Steelers don't really make huge splashes in free agency. Uh, maybe the trade's on the table, but – Steelers are going to build through the draft, and that's where we expect them uh, to get their players. Well, sometimes you get lucky. I mean, look, we got J.J. Wilcox. Yeah, he did a great job for, like, a couple plays. But, hey, they made a trade for Vance McDonald, who might be one of the biggest chess pieces on the team next year, and they got Joe Hayden at the last minute. So some trends for the Steelers were buckled last year. They seem even more strapped for cash this year, so I don't know how much leeway they had. They have to even make room uh, moves like that, but – if they do, you'll know it here first, and we'll keep you posted, and we'll be monitoring it throughout the offseason. And like I said, we'll get more in-depth into the draft as the weeks go on. Look, my, my uh, prediction is as long as Ben stands in a black and gold uniform, they will mortgage the future to the hilt to win tomorrow. So. As they should. The point is to win Super Bowls. I, I don't understand when certain analysts will say, like, oh, you can't do that right now just because you have some players in place. You have to think about your future. You have to Think about winning the Super Bowl. There's only like something like 10 teams or, or like five teams own like half the Super Bowls. So what are we on? We're about to be on 53, right? Right. So you have the Steelers with six. <laughs> Nobody else with six. Okay, the Steelers with six. You have three teams with five. We don't need to talk about them. So that gets you to 21. And then you got like another three, the Redskins, the Packers. Oh, then you have the, the Packers got four. That gets you to 25. Redskins and Giants have three apiece. All right. Yeah, sounds I like mean, a, an analysis for the for the website. I'll work on that. You guys don't want to listen to me do arithmetic? You're doing pretty good. I'm but doing real good. And you're doing the English. Great. <laughs> then I would, if I was, I would send you're doing well. I'm, I'm sorry to torture you guys from that. I mean, I'll, I'll take some a couple hours to, to work that out on myself. But what I was trying to get out there in a convoluted, inefficient way is that who cares about the future win the super bowl get another trophy for the rack for the case get it done we're getting stairway to seven this year starts with the draft thanks for joining us everybody uh as usual we're looking for feedback so come to the website steelersoutpost.com send us a tweet at steelersoutpost or send us an email steelersoutpost at gmail.com yeah those are all good ideas all right, we'll be back again next week, everybody. See you then. Okay, bye-bye.
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.